Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three. Hello, and welcome back to Mixing Music. Today's episode, I want to focus on an email I got this week. I got an email from a listener of the podcast. Uh, By the way, um, he reached out because I always offer free feedback on your mixes if you send me a file, D-E-E-K-E-I mixes at gmail.com. So feel free to send me that. Give me a couple weeks. You know, I'm, I'm the busiest guy in the world, <laughs> or at least it feels like it sometimes. But feel free to send me anything, and I'll do that for free for you. Um, on that note, this guy sent me an email this week and said, I've been playing piano and practicing piano my whole life. I play a bunch of instruments. But whenever I sit down and try to record and write a song, it doesn't sound like the way it did in my head. Now, There might be a few options. He, in his email, asked if it was his equipment. Now, I don't think it was his equipment because he sent me his equipment list, and honestly, it's a lot better than some of my other friends that are making really great music. Um, And most of the time, it's not. Like, unless you have your headphones plugged into an Apple and you're trying to, like, literally the fruit, like, you, you probably have good equipment. Or unless you're trying to use equipment from like the 70s, you probably have good equipment if you're not using equipment from the 70s, right? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, um, he asked if it was equipment. No, it probably isn't his equipment. He has a Behringer interface, right? 
Again, Behringer makes decent interfaces. Especially, it's 2020. Like, no companies make crappy interfaces. If they did, they'd be out of business because Focusrite and all these other brands are making affordable interfaces that sound decent, that sound great. It's not your converters. I know that that's a huge topic of discussion and everybody thinks converters are like the end-all game of everything that sounds good. Heck no. It's not even close. Have you ever listened to a converter shootout? If you haven't, you're not allowed to post that converters make all the difference because they definitely don't. I have to try my hardest to barely hear an audible difference between a Focusrite and a $4,000 converter. Like, I have to really try. And then again, it might be in my head, right? Now, the difference between a cheap converter and a nice converter is a little bit more apparent than like nice converters to other nice converters. Um, But at the same time, the point that I'm trying to make here is that's not an excuse. If your music doesn't sound like the way it does in your head, it's not your converters, it's probably not your equipment. And honestly, it's not the fact that you're bad or good at an instrument. Um, Let's be honest. I want to break down a few things that might be the reason why this guy said the music might not be sounding the way it is in his head. Number one, I'm just going to go over this briefly because I don't want to go through this too much, but it's tone. Right? It might be the tone. How is the bass sounding? How is the keyboard sounding? Is it too much lows? Right? EQ and compression. This is mixing stuff. Tones. Right? It, it might just be too bright, too dark, whatever. I don't know. Number two, it might be the player. And oftentimes I want to say quantization too. You know what the number one killer of good songs is? Quantization and too much autotune. And actually it's not even autotune. Autotune sounds great. It's melodyne. It's the manual tune. Do you know why the greatest showman, the singing and greatest showman sucked? And why Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson sucked? It's because they use too much damn melodyne and it's way too centered and every single pitch is perfect and everything is quantized and it honestly ruined the song and in my case, ruined the movies. I love Emma Watson. I love Beauty and the Beast. I love Disney. I hated that movie because of the music and because of the singing. I would rather prefer, and I think this is the case for most people, if you liked Motown, then you are in this group of people that I'm talking about. I'm part of the group of people, and which is almost, to be honest, from what I understand and what I can tell, is the entire population of the United States and the world, they like music that's genuine, that's real. And honestly, Melodyne ain't real, folks, because even if you use autotune like T-Pain, at least that's a conscious decision and that's a style. Melodyne ain't a style that's your insecurities ruining your music. Same with quantization. You know what my least favorite beats are? And it's not just hip-hop. This is in rock and funk music, too. It's music where the drums are way too quantized. You can tell that the band has been quantized. There's a difference from being on time and being perfect. And when you don't let it swing one way or another, or a little bit early, a little bit late. And I'm talking like just a microsecond, just naturally, just the human. The human cannot hit the snare drum on the exact timing by the millisecond every single time. It's impossible. It's impossible, right? Even Sugarfoot couldn't do it, (laughs) although he might be really close. But the point is, it's that web and flow, that push and pull of the groove that makes a song. Um, I Want You Back by Michael Jackson. Oh my gosh, the BPM is horrendous for the first 10 seconds. But who gives a crap? If you actually changed the record, do you think people would like it more? Nah, they'd be upset that you changed it. Why did you edit it? Why did you remix it? Nah, the the reason why remasters 
aren't that welcomed in the community is because people like the way things sounded the first time. And that's why record labels make such an emphasis on keeping the masters because you can go ahead and re-record the song again, but the fans have already decided that they like this version. They like this specific take of your vocals and this specific take of your drums on that drum set at that time in that weather with those microphones and those cables, whatever. That's why the record label likes the master so much. They invite you, please go ahead and try to record it again and pay me mechanical royalties because guess what? It's not going to get as many hits because everybody's going to like the original. Okay, so number two was perfection. Don't strive for it. Who gives a crap? That's in your head. Which makes me go into the saying that I've been saying a lot to my artists. A lot of artists come into me and I do more than just mixing. Honestly, I do a lot of like uh, almost therapy in here. I, my job is to help the artists feel better about their music, right? So a lot of these artists come in here looking for advice, looking for feedback. And the biggest thing that I have to tell artists on a regular basis is you stop becoming an artist the moment you start caring what other people think. Now, oh, wait, DK, wait, DK, what about the marketing? Isn't the marketing's job to figure out the audience? No, let me tell you right now, the marketing guy and the analytic, all of those things, that job is to help the artist figure out who their music is marketed to. Not for the music to fit in an already existing audience, but figure out the audience of people that like the music that's already being created. Not changing the music, changing the audience. That's the marketer's job. So literally, you stop becoming an artist the moment you start caring and making music for other people. Let it be therapeutic. Let it be for you. Who gives a crap if anybody likes it, doesn't like it, if it sells a bajillion records or it doesn't, right? Who gives a crap? Write it for you. And the more you and genuine you are, the more people will come. Why do you think Motown did so well? Because it was so genuine. It was so real. They only had a few takes. They, they didn't have that big of a budget, you know? And so it's real. They made mistakes. It's fire. The horn, I always talk about this. The horns at the end of September are really off. Nobody cares. Did you even notice? You probably don't even notice until I told you. And then even after I told you and you start to realize it, it still doesn't bother you. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? Stop caring what other people think, especially if you're trying to be an artist. Now, as a producer, as a service industry, where you're a producer or an engineer, you do have to care what other people think. You have to care a lot about what the artist thinks because it's their music. It ain't your music, chief. It's the artist's music. If it's a producer... If it's a producer, that might be a little bit more in combination with the artist. It is you and the artist's music, right? Or, to be honest, depending on the situation and the contracts, it might be the producer's song. <laughs> uh, but in most cases, especially if you're an engineer of any kind, it is not your, it is not your job to state your opinion or to, to not care what other people think. It is your job to care what other people think, right? But as an artist, quit it. Stop it. That's literally helping you to make worse music. It's, it's literally making worse music for you. I've had a couple of artists come through the studios in the last four years, um, the last few years, that they wanted the drums super edited. They wanted everything edited. They went as far, a couple of them went as far as to polyphonic melodyne everything, whether it was the piano, the guitar, that much. And let me say right now, as the song was great, the song was beautiful. It was very well arranged, very beautiful music, great performances all around, great recordings, but the biggest vibe put out by independent artists is try hard. Now, let me say this again. When you listen to Michael Jackson, does anybody feel like this guy's trying too hard? No. 
It's hella complicated. There's hella instruments. It's hella produced. And it's really well performed. But does anybody think this guy, Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, is trying too damn hard? Yet why do I, on a regular daily basis, listen to independent artists and the only vibe that I hear in my head is they be trying too hard. They care too much. Listen to your favorite top 100 songs on billboards or whatever genre, not just billboard, but like in the rock genre or in the, in the reggae genre or in the dancehall genre or the reggaeton, it doesn't matter. There's going to be mistakes. You're going to notice them, especially if you start paying attention to them. But honestly, you won't notice that they're mistakes until someone points it out or someone says something. And then again, same with the September song. Even after you notice that they're mistakes, you still won't care. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Perfection kills music. Okay, let's go on to point number three because I could go on forever about point number two. Um, as you know, if you listen to Warren Hewitt's first episode, part one on mixing music podcast, he'll say the same thing. Perfection, it's, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to suck sometimes, you know? Um, it adds a vibe. Okay, let's talk about the third point, which is arrangement. Arrangement is huge. Arrangement might be the answer for this guy. He's been playing piano forever, so we know he's a good pianist. He's a good instrumentalist, and because he plays piano as his bass, he understands theory and harmony fairly well, I assume right? So he knows what notes go together, what notes don't, how to add emotion through chords, whatever. The arrangement is important. Now, in the mixing phase, there's something called automation. Automation is where the volume or the panning or any parameters on any of the plugins or whatever changes throughout the course of the song. Now, in Pro Tools, back in the day, you had to do it on a console. Like, there's literally uh, maybe a couple people, and they had to turn down the horns while it was recording back to the tape as they're mixing, and then they had to turn it back up, and maybe it was bust out. But now it's all automatic. You can write it in with a pencil with your mouse. You can uh, do it with all sorts of tools, and it's, it's, it just automatically plays back what you wrote down, right, or what you inputted. And it changes, for example, the most common automation is volume turning down the bass and the kick drum during the, cor during the verses and turning them back up during the choruses, right? That's an automation. Um, so automation is huge. And that's the only option for arrangement you typically have as an engineer um, if you're not part of the production or the creative process uh, because you don't want to change the song too much. Now, as a producer and as an artist, or they're one and the same, right? Arrangement is huge. The biggest hurtful thing for a song, other than the first two things that I talked about, is arrangement. You do not want everything playing all the time through the entire song. Think about, I keep talking about Earth, Wind & Fire. Or this time, let's change it up. Let's talk about Michael Jackson because everybody knows Michael Jackson and how awesome his music is, right? Now, in Quincy Jones' production, in Michael Jackson's music, um, is the guitar and the bass and the drums, and the percussion, and the vocals, singing, playing the entire time without changing up? The answer is no. With any good song, it changes up. Even in EDM music, right? The most repetitive, controversially the most, ar arguably the most repetitive music in the game. Just four on the floor, with some melody, harmony, and maybe some vocals if you're lucky, right? Even them, they understand the concept of arrangement because the biggest part of an EDM or dance song is the drop. 
It has to change. It has to, energy has to go up and down. And oftentimes that's not just the performance, but that's also the, the arrangement. Is the drums playing the same volume, the same exact rhythm the entire time? Is the drums playing or the bass playing the same exact rhythm, the same exact volume the entire time? Or is the bass playing the entire time? Maybe you cut it out a few bars, right? doesn't matter. The point is, the arrangement is important. A good producer will naturally, instinctively think about EQ because they'll think about the low end, the mid-range, the high end, everything in between through the instruments before they even touch an EQ. For example, a piano will be more mid-range, right? Percussion, bongo, uh, not bongos, maybe some like uh, cowbell and hi-hats are going to be more high-end. And then uh, low end is obviously kick and bass. If you add too much stuff, maybe then there's something in the upper mids, right? Maybe there's a synth, but it's a little bit brighter synth, so it's the upper mids where the dark piano sits in the lower mids. They instinctively, good producers instinctively think about EQ and songs, music, sonic structures, textures before the song even starts, before they even touch an EQ, right? This is very important. Arrangement is very, very important, and you should be thinking about this. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and that's all you should be thinking about. No, I'm pretty sure when Hans Zimmer is writing music for film, um, as he's composing film, I'm pretty sure he's not thinking about the theory class that he took in college or the theory lesson that he learned from high school. No, he's thinking all that stuff is already in his brain. You know, he might refer back to it, but in the heat of the moment, he's thinking, this is a question. This is an answer. He's not thinking no F sharp G, you know, this half note difference is going to make this harmonic dissonance and uh, blah, blah. No, he's not thinking that. He's thinking, this is a question. This is the answer, right? As we all see in, in his ads and for the masterclass and whatnot. It's all about emotion. If, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching this YouTube video, uh, which by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, then I have it on podcast. You could keep your phone in, the, in your pocket and you can listen to this. Or if you're listening on uh, YouTube and you want to see my face, then if you're listening on podcast and you want to see my face, then go to the podcast, right? Leave a five-star review if you like mixing music on Apple Music because um, it really helps out my show. Maybe you want to do that. But either way, if in the heat of the moment... Don't think about this stuff. If you listen to this podcast, if you watch my podcast, you understand music, probably, because you listen to music. If you're viewing or watching or listening right now, you probably listen to music, okay? You like music. Before, and as, before as a producer, before as an artist, you probably are just a genuine fan of music. Great. Doesn't that qualify you to write good music, to make good music? Don't you know what good music sounds like? Music, this is the problem with anything that's good. A good film, a good movie, or good music, there's someone always out there, even to this podcast, and to my marketing, to my Instagram, to the ads that I run, I get people that say, good thoughts on these analytics and this. Do you really think I care too much about the analytics? I mean, with marketing and running ads, because I'm spending money, I do care a lot. But other than that, really though, like, do you think that Hans Zimmer was thinking about this theory concept and based his music on nothing other than that the entire film? 
I think there are moments, there's got to be pockets where he recalls back and he thinks about it. But in the heat of the moment, when the song is all about emotion, because that's what music is, that's what stories is, it's emotion. Do you think he was thinking about theory? Hell nah. He was thinking, how do I ask a question? How do I answer the question? (laughs) Um, Same thing uh, with uh, your music. Don't think about it too much. You like music. You listen to music. You know what it's supposed to sound like. Don't think about it too much. You're good. Yeah, you might at first, if you're just starting, you might have to remember that, oh, the bass, the mid-range, and the high end might have to be filled out or balance out, whatever, right? Or there has to be a groove element and a harmonic element, and then there also has to be this thing and whatever. There has to be a drop, whatever. You might have to remember it at certain moments, but once you get practiced enough, once you spend your first couple hundred hours, it's going to be instinctive. It's going to be like, hey, this song needs to do this. Just go with your gut feeling. Because again, the moment you start caring and writing music for other people, you stop becoming an artist. Because if you write music for other people, that is not artistry, that is business. And music, the emotion that music gives, is in a business. Hit songs cannot be analyzed. Hit films cannot be analyzed. They were not analyzed that much, as much as you think it was, when they were created. Bruno Mars just wrote a damn good song. That's just what it came down to. Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones just wrote a damn good song. That's what it came down to. The Red Hot Chili Peppers writes the same damn music for all those decades. It's really impressive. That's what it came down to. They didn't do it on purpose. That's, they probably just really like it. That's their vibe. By the way, good on Red Hot Chili Peppers. Big fan, right? Um, and I think that's the most important part. If you refer back to my previous episode with Warren Hewitt, he talks about perfection. He talks about how perfection kills music. Music is emotion. Now, think about this. I talk about this a lot, too. A book, a movie, a TV show, stories, right? If I'm chasing after anything in my life, it's probably my hobby is chasing after the best story ever. Harry Potter was really good. Um, But, you know, and, and Shall We Dance, the Japanese version of Shall We Dance from 1996, 98, was way better than the American version because of the story. Okay, uh, let's see. Jojo Rabbit was a good story, right? Um, Naruto is a great story. (laughs) Like, I could go on with great stories. But the point is, music is the only form of entertainment that provokes emotion instantaneously in a story. And relatively speaking, even in dancing, well, there's music behind it, so that does change it. But there has to be some sort of plot. They have to build up, you know, problems. Because someone didn't apologize and they're too prideful to admit it. That's the, that's the plot of every single movie and every single story ever. I just ruined it for you. If someone apologized in every single story, the story would be drastically different. Um, or it wouldn't exist at all. So apologize more. Uh, but that's another story. Uh, that's another lesson. Um, in Harry Potter, it has to build. Number, number six was the ultimate build, right? Book number six was the ultimate build. And then there's the resolution. Until that resolution happens, until you're at the peak of your emotion, a story takes time, takes development. In five seconds, when the beat starts, in five to ten seconds of the intro before the singer even sings, you instinctively understand, listeners instinctively understand the emotion. Is this a sad song? Is this an angry song? Is this a happy song? 
No stories do that. And that's why I think I do music, because I love to tell stories through emotions. I'm an emotional guy. And if you're listening to this and you do music, you're probably an emotional person as well. I'll be the first one to admit it. I cry way before in the movie theaters, before my wife does. My wife looks at me and she says, why are you crying? (laughs) Uh, I'm just a very emotional person. It's good. Use that. Use your emotions to write music. The last point that I want to make, point number four, is very important. It's the concept that this guy who sent me an email said the music wasn't sounding the way it was in his head. I can almost guarantee you that his music sounded good, sounded decent, and it probably only sounded bad to him. I think artists struggle with this a lot. Musicians, emotional creatures struggle with this a lot. It's really hard to not care what other people think. It's really hard to do something for nobody other than yourself. But even if you are the only person in the world that likes that song, that likes your music, isn't that enough? Isn't it enough that you write the music for yourself? And if you write it for yourself, if you're really genuine and true to what's coming out of you, do you think people won't relate to that? People relate to Soldier Boy on an emotional level. In 2008, right, when, all, when we were all in middle school and high school, there were kids that probably cried to Soldier Boy, thinking, oh my gosh, he's the only one that understands me. No, like, he didn't write that song for you or for your situation. But humans will instinctively try to relate. They relate. So write songs that are real, that are you. You are way more interesting than you think you are. And the feelings that you feel are a lot more relatable than you think they are. Who cares if the song doesn't come out the way that it sounds in your head? Sure, that could be my job as the mix engineer. Sure, you could hire me. Yeah, whatever. But most of the time, the only reason why it's not good is because you think it's not good. I don't change the song that much. Yeah, sometimes I change it it super drastically and then all of a sudden they get a record deal. Like, yeah, that happens too, whatever, right? But my job really, and every engineer's job, is to let creativity flow and give the artist confidence to basically be their hype man. That's the job of an engineer, especially as a mix engineer. My job is every student that walks, every artist that walks through the door, they got to leave the door having more confidence in themselves, thinking, I want to write more music. Or that is the best song I've ever written. Let me do it again. Let me do it better. Don't be too hard on yourself. Really, really own the emotional aspect of your nature, of your personality, and let it blossom. Honestly, let it grow. And let that be the music. Because music, again, is nothing other than emotion. It's audio emotion. So let your emotions drive it. Hopefully that helps. Um, If you agree, disagree, or have other points that you want to add, you know, put it in the comments. Um, If you subscribe to YouTube or to the podcast, I really, really appreciate it. It helps my channel grow. 
Um, and I always have free tutorials, mixing tutorials, uh, free mixing videos and classes, as well as uh, stems that you could pay for to practice actually mixing on. It's all on links.dkmixes.com. It's in the bio, it's in the description, whatever. Um, links.dkmixes.com. And with that, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.